Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company as we kick off the afternoon on the day of the, uh, the Stock Exchange Charity Day, the NAB Trade Charity Day, where if you're going to trade shares, don't recommend you jump in and out of shares all the time for trading's sake. But if you're going to do it, ask that the brokerage be donated to the charity that uh, we've been telling you about all day here on Ausbiz. It's a terrific day where the industry comes together to raise a lot of money for uh, great community projects. And, and this year, as we've been telling you some of the stories throughout the day here on Ausbiz, uh, supporting rural aid. So help if you can. Uh, of course, this is the call between now and 1pm daylight saving time. Um, and we analyse 10 stocks that you suggest. We put them to two experts for their opinion, all in 60 minutes to give you a bit of guidance. And joining us today, have we got a team for you? When I talk about experts, these are experts with a capital E. Rudy, Rudy Van Dyke, Philippek Van Dyke from uh, FN Arena. Rudy, how are you, sir? There's no E's in Philippek Van Dyke. That's why you went wrong. No, no capitals in there. And his old sparring partner, Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Claude, how are you, sir? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I love your tie today. I have to comment. I feel oh, thank uh, you. slightly jealous. Yeah, trying to get into the Christmas spirit. I said to Rudy before we came on air, I've been following his social media uh, defense of Technology One this week. Have you? Has that struck you as being anything different, Claude? Uh, I, I always follow Rudy's tweets on Technology One. I think he's my favorite um, analyst on, on the subject. Look, I think it has been a great performing software stock and it's absolutely one I keep on my watch list. It has a few weaknesses. It has a few positives overall. I think it's a good quality company. Yeah, yeah. for those who aren't regular viewers, Rudy is uh, a fanboy of Technology One and has been proved correct over the years. If you've been in Technology One, you it's would have a, done very well. Yeah, yeah. It's had great... What are the annual returns? It's about 16% uh, on average. Year on year. Uh, over almost two decades. Yeah. And uh, it came up on the call, I think, a week or two ago, not with, mm. with you, but it was, our experts said, one of the most underrated of our tech stocks on the market at the moment. Just I cannot disagree. Yep. <laughs> I didn't think you would. All right. Before we get into your 10 stocks, uh, let's look at a stock of the day. Thought we uh, some a stock that's in the news. Jumbo Interactive this morning flagging a key licensing approval into the UK. The chief executive saying it's an important step into the 77 billion pound charities market in the UK. Uh, Claude, uh, what's your view on this news for Jumbo Interactive and the stock itself? Well, in order to understand the importance of this news, uh, I think we have to take a step back and look at what Jumbo's doing. So initially, it started out uh, in reselling lotteries for Tadcorp. 
exclusively. And then, of course, it's built its own software in order to do that in the most effective way possible. And now it's bought Gatherwell in the UK, so it has a business there that's kind of similar. And But the key difference is it's trying to transition its business more to a software-as-a-service uh business where it provides all of the tech and the platform necessary for other actual lottery owners and lottery and people who run lotteries to empower them to get the most out of their business. So it's doing that transition. And this for them is a big step forward in being able to push their software as a service um, offering over in the UK. So um, that's why it's important. I do think it's a good step forward. And what's more, I think that this is a great company to watch. I don't own shares anymore because I got worried when Tabcorp said they were going to sell out of Jumbo. Yeah. And because Tabcorp is such a big partner in the Australian business, that concerns me there. But I think the future, and they've got Tabcorp for 10 years, so it's nothing urgent to worry about. In the future, this software as a service business is what it's going to be more and more about. And that is quite exciting. It makes Jumbo one definitely to watch. Yeah. Uh, would you be buying at, a, at this level? I'm not a buyer at this level. I, I want to get it a little bit cheaper just because I'm a little bit concerned that at the end of 10 years, there's going to be another tough situation with Tabcorp. They've just re-signed their contract with Tabcorp. So actually, probably I'm being over-paranoid. Um, probably they've got a great run for 10 years, but I want to just get it a bit cheaper because of that. Or alternatively, I'll wait until I in, until they see a little bit more traction in that software as a service business. If it looks like they're going to make a goer of that software as a service business, then this is a management team I would definitely back. Hmm. Ready? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get too worried about that price chart. Um, it, it sort of indicates that uh, the share price is a lot down from where it was once yep. upon a time. But those were different times. Yes. They, they had a complete different uh, prospect with uh, the online lotteries with Tapcorp. Uh, that has been reset now, and so we should we should start from square here. Um, everything that that uh, that Claude just said uh, is, is 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 accurate. Uh, they are building a a build business well beyond Tapcorp. So you have to take a positive view that they will be successful at that. Yeah. Um, at the current price, I wouldn't jump on. I think it's probably fairly priced. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, even though they obviously have a lot of potential, we still have to see how that exactly is going to pan out. Yeah. Um, but if you really wanted to, you can give them the benefit of the doubt here, or you mm -hmm. just wait for, for a cheaper yeah. price level. It's, a, it's in interesting in the different perception sort of it's always been seen as an online lottery business. Yes, now yes. you talk exactly. to the managing director, we've had him on a couple of times yeah. here at Osbiz saying, we're a software as a service business yes. in the lottery sector. Mm. And we think this technology yeah. will go a long way in the UK and the US where they sell very few lotteries. At online. the moment, yes. Yeah. So if they, if they get it right, the share price can really take off. Yeah. But it is between now and then that yeah. you, you have to decide whether you're willing to wait or willing to take on the risk that it might take a while. Okay. All right. Let's get into the stocks that you sent through to us. And Martin, um, Rudy wants a view on Babcorp, which is uh, the big car parts and accessories yeah. distributor. One of the, in my view, one of the most um, reliable businesses on the stock exchange. Um, they, a few years ago, they bought the, the business um, of uh, Madcash which gave them an, uh, an entry into the retail market, basically. That's you and me. Uh, but usually it's, it works the other way around. I mean, it's, it's an 80-20 proposition. I mean, the 80% is what makes the business really, really reliable, solid, right. through the cycle, uh, etc. Unfortunately, the share market doesn't always treat them that way. And, and I've been, uh, full disclosure, I've been a shareholder for, 
for quite a while now, and uh, I intend to be a shareholder for quite a while. Um, what, ha what is happening here is that at, in recent times they are being basically being put in the basket of the winners of the lockdowns and the pandemic, and th those winners are now being sold because everyone is now going into the laggards and the losers, uh, because they are the winners of the reopening trade. Um, so it, it, it looks a lot, if you have a very short-term perspective, it looks like the share price has come off quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but actually in a long-term perspective, it's, it's a blip. Right? Yeah. So I wouldn't, if you own the shares, I wouldn't be worried. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you never got on board because you might have been uh, worried about uh, the switch to uh, uh, electrical vehicles, which is still going to take a while, mm. um, and, and, or you, you thought the share price was too expensive or whatever, then I mean, this is this is what the share market does. I mean, yeah. it it offers opportunities for other people who are not necessarily focused on the short-term trend. Yeah. So I would see any any weakness for you, any further weakness, basically as a better entry point right. for a medium-term investor who can look beyond the short-term volatility. Because it's well possible this share price doesn't do much in the short term because right. the market is focused on now on banking stocks and yeah. mining stocks and energy stocks, uh, but nothing changes with the company. Yep. So it, you have to you have to try to. Okay, so you'd wait for further pullback from this seven fifteen mark. Oh, I already think it's a good buy here. Okay, but the further it falls, the, more, the better right. the better your entry point. So you'd start accumulating. Yes, I now, would. Well, I, I own them now, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's, so. and it's quite a full allocation in my portfolio. Yeah. So. Um, but man, if if you want to have a, a, a decent, uh, relatively solid business, uh, which is now tapping into growth into Asia, yeah, uh, by all means. Okay. Colin, what do you think about Paul? Well, I, I agree with what Rudy said by and large. I'm a little bit less bullish, but I hasten to add that that has been my mistake. So I actually bought this one um, in the sell-off at $4 something, but then I participated in the capital raise and sold at $5 something. So it was more just, I thought it was undervalued then, but I perhaps don't have such a good appreciation of like the long-term high-quality um, features that Rudy was talking about. However, I hasten to add, I agree with those. Um, the real beauty of this business is that in a time when the economy is doing it tough, people are likely to keep their cars on the road for longer, which means that they'll be spending more repairing them, which is beneficial for Babcorp. So mm. I really like that about Babcorp. It has good defensive characteristics and as a result, and I think also the management is very high quality. So it doesn't surprised me at all that um, Rudy has it as like one of his bigger high quality um, companies that he's backing long term. I don't disagree with that take at all. I guess the reason that I sold out was just because I'm always trying to look for those small caps that people haven't um, discovered. And I think, you know, you can see there was a massive dip off in Babcorp, which is why I bought because, you know, there was yeah. quality that was relatively cheap. However, I've definitely sold too early. I reckon I've um, underestimated this business and it's a good quality business. So whilst I don't hold myself, I actually agree with Rudy's sentiments and, and, and would sort of say Babcorp for the long term is either a buy or a hold style company. Right. Okay. All right. So put you down as a buy at this level for the long term? I'll, I'll have to just choose hold on this one hold just it. because I don't okay. have an, enough confidence, yeah, yeah. but I do really like sure. it. and. Means it doesn't go into the portfolio. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rudy. No, that's right. That's fine. No, no, no. Don't put pressure on him, Rudy. That's... Oh, it's a strong conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Don't draw. I just want a clear indication here, big fella. All right. Um, Claude, will we'll move on uh, and ignore the sledge from, uh, no, from Rudy the sledge. from the outer. Just a 
pure confusion. Uh, yeah. I saw them in David's face. That's why he asked for clarification. Yeah, just like that. Clear direction here. Uh, Claude, Larry wants a view on Washington H. Sol Pattinson. Now, everyone thinks this is the chemist chain. It's not. Basically, it's an investment company, isn't it? Uh, with investments in things like brickworks and sort of coal investments and DPG. things like that. GPG. GPG. Yes. So that, that's exactly right. And that's and that's the way you want to go about analysing the company. Um, I'll look, I'll, I'll sort of lean heavily on some really good points um, a fellow named Luke Durbin from Oracle um, Asset Management made recently, which is basically that this is a company that usually trades within a range of its sort of the value of all of its different constituent investments. So um, it does have chemists is one of them, but it also has a range of other things. A lot of listed companies, um, it's got unlisted companies, it's got a coal company in Brickworks as well is a huge part of it. Um, and basically this stock often trades around or below the sum of the parts of all of this. And in my view, that is the time to buy the stock. And now at the moment, in my latest um, back of the napkin calculations, this is trading again above the sum of the parts, even more than mm. 10, 15% above. So that for me puts it definitely outside the buy range. Now, I wouldn't rush and say, oh, I've got to sell because over the long term, these guys have proven that they're really good capital allocators that have created value for things. But, but if you look at those massive share part price swings over the years, Part of that, like basically the underlying business has generally done well. Obviously, the coal part of it goes up and down a little bit. But generally, that has got a lot to do with market sentiment, either bidding it up above its sum of the parts or pushing it down below. And I'm, I'd, be, I'd be definitely waiting for this to go below. So for me, I'd actually probably lean sell right now with the caveat being that if you're a long-term investor in it, you know, just hold for the dividends. I definitely yeah. wouldn't be worried. Okay. Ready? Slightly different view. Um, yes, they, have a, they, they do have a very long history, as, as, but if you place them in the modern context, they are the commodities trade, they are the uh, fossil fuel trade, they are the very, very, uh, very much into uh, cyclical assets. And at this point in time, why is the share price doing what it's doing? The market is taking, is taking basically a, a view that those assets will be the one to own for 2021, right. reopening trade. So the reason why the share price is as high as it is yeah. is the market is anticipating exactly that. So it becomes it becomes a derivative on on the, the portfolio switch, and you have to be careful with that, not extrapolating that too far. And and of course, mean the 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 coal price at some stage can go higher, and and TPG Telecom might 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 get a sustainable higher share price. But that's a big if at this point in time. Yeah. So I wouldn't basically I wouldn't touch this one at this point in time unless you're convinced that this um, reopening trade has, has much further to go. But I think it's, for the short term, it looks a bit uh, bloated at the moment. Right. A lot of people are piling in on the same stocks here. Right. And when you look at that March downturn, though, yeah. it, it hardly dropped compared with most other stocks. Probably the because it already was on the low side, I right. think. Right, okay, I mean, at the time. The, like the coal companies, and et cetera, yeah. and TPG yeah. Telecom didn't do that well either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, don't, don't, don't estimate, the, the gain we've seen since is, is quite steep, so it doesn't look like the fall was a lot, but you would still have had sizable falls. Yep, okay. All right, uh, Rudy Barney wants a view on VGI Partners Asian Investments uh, Fund, or listed fund. Um, VGI is a um, portfolio <coughs> manager. 
investor. This uh, this portfolio predominantly in Asian listed securities, yeah. both long and short positions. I mean, I'm, I'm not naturally not a big fan of buying other fund managers, but there is there is a logic, and, and there is a logic of moving now into Asian assets. I mean, right. If if the if the reopening trade next year takes hold, um, and we get better growth. Uh, more broadly covered, covered around or carried around the world, then the general assumption is that the U.S. share market will now start underperforming, and that those share markets that haven't performed that well in in recent years, um, that includes Australia, by the way, right. that we should perform better than the U.S. market and Asian markets who definitely haven't performed that well, uh, they should outperform uh, both Australia and the U.S. So, on that thematic. Uh, there was definitely a logic in, not necessarily through VGI, there are other ways of seeking exposure to emerging markets and to, right. to Asia. But the theme is one that I'm, I'm pretty certain will be on the agenda of, of many investors okay. uh, for 2021. So would, if you wanted to get into that theme, yes, you can, would, you can, di- would you can, this yes. be the fund to do it? Well, as I said, there are m- multiple ways, but it's not, it's not a wrong choice, right. put it that way. It's one of the choices you have available. Okay. All right. Uh, Claude? Yeah, it's not it's not for me this one. Just because I don't tend to invest in this kind of uh, instrument, uh, you're basically you know its share price is two dollars twenty three at the moment, and based on its last exposure, uh, its last disclosure, its NTA, the net tangible assets, was two dollars fifty six. So a bit of fifty fifteen percent discount there. That's not a terrible time to buy because that's a reasonably high discount. I think it actually got worse than that earlier. So one of the ways people trade these is they try to buy it when there's a big discount. And then if Rudy's right, and this is a, a trend um, that we're going to see more people wanting to invest in this kind of instrument as um, the story moves to sort of Asian um, companies growing, then maybe you see that discount close and you get uplift there along with any performance from the portfolio. So that's one way to play it. And that's not unreasonable. But for me, it's just looking at the underlying investments. Um, they, they name their sort of top 10 holdings i think actually their biggest holding is nintendo which is a decent um company but basically if i look at you know they've got crown resort crown resorts as a seven percent position in this fund um it's not all asian companies it's got a, it's got a range of things um although it is mostly invested in asian country, uh, countries so basically um overall just looking at what i can see what they're investing in it's definitely not something i would go for um having said that you know i don't think it's a terrible idea at current yep prices but yeah just definitely not interesting to me um i, I would avoid this kind of uh, instrument generally and and if i'm going to invest in a um a managed fund there's very specific very few number of managers that i do that with with my own money and my family's money and, and, and they've done extremely well so i have a very high benchmark in terms of what i expect <laughs> okay so what asian alternatives are there some etfs and things like that um, there is a beta shares one, which is of right. course just passive investment, which is probably what I'd go to. I think it's called the Asian uh, uh, maybe Tiger ETF or something like yeah. that. Now that's not like something that I've looked at as a recommendation or anything, but generally if I just want to say make a bet on big tech or make a bet on Asian investments generally, I just go with those passive ETFs. Right. Okay. I, I all, wish I don't. It's also do, by the way. Our, our very own Platinum has a, has a very large Asian fund as well. Oh, okay. And doing okay. It's, 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 I think it should be now, yeah, because right. we have the portfolio okay. switch yeah, now. Yeah. Not okay. for a long time. All right. Okay. So, beta shares, there. 
Asian ETF or platinum are good alternatives. Uh, Rudy Shane wants a view on is it Secos Group? I didn't know yeah. much a, yeah. much about this uh, group. I, 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 I believe Claude is a shareholder. Ah, well, <laughs> this is my favourite one. This is uh, my pitch for Rudy. I, I was going to say it plays to your environmental wheelhouse. Yes. When I read about it, I thought oh, I don't know this, and uh, when I read more about it, that it supplies. It's got a proprietary biodegradable resins and packaging products um, and um, um, the uh, recent sort of earnings upgrade mm. uh, was uh, this uh, December quarter, $7.8 million mm. worth of deliveries as against $5.8 million in September. Uh, they're expanding production after a, a capital raise mm. recently, but I thought that environmental bent, I bet, is mm. on uh, is on um, uh, Claude's sort of watch list at the moment. Yeah, yes, definitely. Thank you, David. Yeah, I've been looking at this company for years. And oh, really? I, yeah. I think I think I'm going to have my work uh, cut out for me to convince Rudy. But it's my it's my favourite that I um, like on this on this show and also on this episode rather. And also, I own shares in it myself and bought more recently at oh. I think about twenty cents. Now, the right. reason for that is that basically what these guys do for the viewers is they make the compostable, biodegradable plastic resin, which then other companies can use to make any like plastic products, like plastic bags and stuff like that. Now, they also make plastic bags themselves, which you can now buy through Woolworths, which I definitely oh, encourage you to They make those bags. Out. Okay. Those called, they're called um, My Eco Bags, is yeah, the yeah, ones yeah. that they have in Woolworths. Yep. And uh, basically... The pitch for these compostable plastics is that um, when disposed of correctly, these have much, much, much lower environmental impact because really if they go into a composting facility, they can disappear and there are certain standards that they have to reach that. And, the, and these guys, I do believe, have a genuine attempt to try to make the least damaging plastic um, products possible. However, this is not going to solve the environmental problem of single-use plastic. So I'm not trying to present this as a sort of silver billet or whatever. It's yeah. not. This is, you know, there's still an issue we have to face here, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Now, the real question for me is like, so first of all, if you own this stock, you basically have the view that as a manufacturer, there's going to be more demand, which will lead to more revenue, which is what we've seen in that recent upgrade that you pulled out um, in the intro to this stock. You're seeing that revenue come up. Now, hypothetically, in a manufacturing company, you see that revenue go up. You see relatively fixed cost base. So you see um profit jumping up in future years and that is exactly what the brokers that cover them are expecting so you know counterchord i think covers these guys these are expecting profit to really jump up in future years now that's not guaranteed but there's a really good chance of it if they can keep growing revenue strongly now that leads us to the final question the i've been watching these guys for years they have struggled to grow revenue why are they going to succeed now well my leading theory and that and the point is they are starting to see succeed right they've had a number of big wins they're going forward so Will that continue? Well, hypothetically, five years ago, they're having more trouble because no one wants to move over to the compostable plastic stuff because then there'll be a supplier and there are very few suppliers in compostable plastics five years ago. So the people are worried about being captured by a single supplier and not being able to use their market power to get good prices. But as more regulation, more governments, more people have pushed towards more composting, biodegradable plastic, it's not quite as bad as normal plastic. Um, that has like created more competition, a bigger market for this kind of thing. And arguably, it, even though it sounds very counterintuitive, having a bit more competition there has meant that customers like Juliet Cameron um, 
who are a big new customer, they're more happy to sign up to get their resin to make compostable, like make compostable um, plastic bags for you know disposing dog booze and stuff. Well, they're more happy to do that now because they know that if something happens with Secos, they can probably get this product elsewhere. So that's the theory. Of course, none of the, nothing's guaranteed. I'm sure Rudy will have some good bear points here, but this is this is my favorite here. So the, no. definitely buy from me. Yeah, I, yeah. I take offense. What, what does it mean by Rudy has some valid bear points? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let's go to the grumpy guts of the panel. Rudy, what do you think of some bear points? Bear with me. Bear with me. Bear points. Yeah, yeah. I have a little slight different take, which is not, not, not that dissimilar from, Whoa, from, from what all this. Uh, I, I, I previously mentioned uh, the Asian trade as, as, as yep. one of the trends that is, that is emerging this year. The trends towards ESG and toward more, towards a more sustainable economy and towards investing funds increasingly going into that direction has been around for quite a while and it's really uh, getting a lot of traction this time around. And the general expectation is that once we get into the post-2020, post-COVID world, that even more money will go into ESG and to yep. sustainability and all of that. So from that perspective, I mean, every value investor will tell us you don't invest in a narrative, but I sort of disagree with that one. If you get the right narratives at the right time, you can make a lot of money. Yep. And this is definitely one of the narratives that is coming up. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm a long-term shareholder in, in the likes of Amcor. Right. So I, am in, I know a little bit about packaging, yep. but I also know how, how difficult it is to, uh, to take market share away from the likes of Amcor. Uh, now, that does, one, one doesn't have to uh, exclude the other. The only gripe I have with, with Secos here is it is still a very mini company, and mini companies carry maxi risk. I mean, right. that's, that's okay. I mean, if you want to reverse it from MCOR. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that, that the, the analysis from Claude is wrong. I'm just saying Claude has a different yeah. risk appetite than I have. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if this is a success company, success story unfolding, I'm happy to wait until it unfolds to a, to a, to a, to a larger stage right. and I'll, I'll jump on board by then. Right. But to me, this is too premature, too, too, too early in the, in the development of the company. Also because it has taken them so long to get to this stage. And I mean, to be honest, the, the CEO of Amcor spends probably what they do in revenue on a lunch on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> right? And that's a little bit the right. difference in where, where, yeah, we, yeah, where yeah. we are talking about. And it's so, a right? difference in valuation and the whole All thing. Of it, right? yes. yeah. And of course, okay. the younger ones, the, the smaller ones, they can shoot to the moon, yeah. man, but they can also fall back to earth. Sure. And, and that's the risk you either want to take on board or not. Okay. So good company, wait. You're more conservative and... Time can be on your side. Yeah, okay. All right, uh, our next stock is, uh, that you've suggested is uh, Misoblast. Um, <laughs> if you're in that stock, uh, the biotech company, you've had a wild ride. It is like the, the proverbial Big Dipper. It's had a good run recently because of a deal that mm. they did with Novartis. Mm. Um, I've, I've discovered recently, if you, if you think I'm a groupie for Technology One, try to put something uh, negative on Twitter about uh, Misoblast. <laughs> I mean, there's a, ha there's a half, half uh, colony out there of really true hardcore fans. Oh yeah, there are a lot, lot of disciples uh, of this, is it? For me, it's similar as with, with the company we just discussed. Yeah. Yeah? It's for, I mean, I, am, I, mean I, I like 
the ASX uh, healthcare stocks. Right? We have some of the finest in the world. They are really great businesses. Uh, I own uh, half a dozen of them. And, but the reason why I own them is not because they have binary outcomes. That right. When they have binary outcomes, I try not to be on board. Right. And this company, no matter how, how great its technology is and how, how, how big the fan club is, some of those outcomes do have a binary impact okay. on the so share price. It's, it's either yes or no. Yes. I mean, You're in clinical trials. Yes. If you fail, boom. Yes. If, if you, you succeed, succeed the other way around. So right. it's, very, it's very binary. Yep. To me, that requires a, an appetite for risk, which goes even beyond Claude's. Right. Well beyond <laughs> Claude's, I would say. Unless he's, oh, going, well, well, unless, exactly, well, unless he's going to tell me he's actually on board. Yeah. But, no, um, no, you're, you're one point. Yeah, <laughs> you're on point with Rudy. You're on yes. point. Yes, so we're talking. We're talking. There's there's a scale of risk that you're willing to take on yeah. board. See, for yeah. me, you can always have a little bit of a punt in the share market, and a lot right. of people do that. Yeah. But to to hook your portfolio on a stock like this in in a substantial right. way, to me, doesn't seem very smart. Right. I mean, and we've seen that previously. It can go minus forty eight percent or something in a day. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. With all respect for everyone who's on board, that's yeah. not the type of sensation I'm looking for <laughs> in my portfolio. <laughs> I mean, it's well possible that they, I mean, there are, I picked up at the earlier of the year, analysts who cover the stock said, oh, be, be, have a keen eye on this one. This has a number of catalysts throughout the year, yeah? Yeah. which basically means it's going to be very volatile and a lot of people will jump on board because right. there was always the chance that you make a lot of money yeah? Yeah, yeah. and then lose some. Right? Yeah. And that's exactly what has happened so far. Yeah. I'm more into businesses that have a little bit more quieter existence, right. but positive nevertheless. Yeah. This one is very more volatile and for me it's too volatile. Okay. Claude? Uh, yeah, so I think Rudy covered it pretty well. Like This one is like way too risky even for me. I guess the best way um, for me to illustrate that is over the last 10 years, it had it has moved from having 283 million shares on issue to 580 million shares on issue. And in that time, that's 10 years, it's not generated um, sort of sustainable profits or um, anything like that that would make me think that it's really become a much more valuable business, but that share count has gone up over 100%. So when you've got a company that's consistently spending lots and lots of cash on working on its inventions and stuff and it's funding that essentially by expanding the share base these guys need to be creating a lot of value to justify that but you know what we're seeing is that they are absolute masters of uh keeping the imagination of investors and the willingness for people to buy more and more, more and more shares like as rudy was saying the people that love this stock really love this stock um i don't know how they've done it they're some sort of wizards but it definitely has something to do with uh, recently uh, they've sort of seen things like they're entered into exclusive worldwide collaboration agreements with Novartis for development of a, a, a medical product that has um, potential to, tre to treat acute respiratory distress syndrome that is associated with COVID. So they're trying to link to that COVID thing, even though previously their focus was something completely different. Um, not associated with COVID. And they're always like really on point in terms of capturing the imagination of potential investors. And that tends to make me really wary. Okay. So even though I don't know whether this company will succeed or not in the future, uh, the combination of factors just means that I'm, I'm definitely not be a shareholder at any time. Okay. All right. Uh, let's uh, recap 
first five stocks and stock of the day. Jumbo Interactive, a no from both uh, Rudy and Claude. Uh, Babcorp, uh, a hold from, um, uh, from Claude. Rudy likes it as a quality company, dependable going forward. Uh, Washington sold Pats. Uh, no from both. In fact, a, a, a sell from Claude saying, take your profits. You've had a good run. Uh, VGI Asian, um, good theme, good fund manager. Uh, but for uh, Claude, look at the beta shares Asian ETF. And um, uh, Rudy does like the theme, Asian theme, but there are other alternatives out there. Uh, Secos, um, Claude owns it, loves it. Environmental packaging. Thinks it'll do well. Uh, Rudy's going to wait and see. Uh, you've got time on your side. For his risk profile, he's more into Amcor than this particular junior stock. And for Mesoblast, uh, it is at the high-end uh, punt risk range. It's sort of uh, what I used to call your, your TAB um, betting at the races money. That 2% that you just want to have a bit of fun with, but you can afford to lose. All right, um, don't forget the call. We have our own portfolio we've been following since July the 1st. Any stock that gets uh, two thumbs up from our, um, our expert panel goes into it. Let's take a look at how it's going. For the last week up, almost 2% for the month, 5.25% since the 1st of July, 24%. Uh, some of the stocks that have been added recently, Ampol, uh, South32, Redbubble, Elmo, Software and Credit Clear. Some of the stocks taken out uh, because if they come up again and they don't get a unanimous yes from that particular expert panel, they go out, um, Carnarvon Petroleum and also James Hardy to take some profits on it. Um, if you want to see all the stocks in the portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, coming up uh, after uh, one o'clock here on Ausbiz. Don't forget the Pulse. We have a whole bunch of chief executives coming on there. All right, let's get into uh, the second five stocks. And uh, Claude, Linda wants a view on Serco. It's a travel management company uh, headquartered in New Zealand. From what I can gather, it's sort of New Zealand's version of corporate travel, is it? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that they're exactly the same. Um, I actually prefer probably Serco. I'd be more likely to be an investor in Serco. It's smaller. Prior to COVID, I think it had arguably better growth. You'd have to check me on that with someone who's yeah. an expert in corporate travel. But it, it was a strong, small, growing company. And, and it, it would have been, I reckon, if it wasn't for COVID. I actually owned shares in this one previously. Uh, so I really liked it. I thought that it could actually maybe somewhat repeat the success corporate travels had over the years so that was what i was really hoping for i'll give i'll give a bit of a chuckle to your viewers and, and i'll see even even though i do this a lot I, I obviously make mistakes like everyone else i actually sold this one in april at a lower share price than it is now because i was severely concerned about the impact that obviously all the travel restrictions would have um so when it when it was sort of rebounding in april there i think i just checked and i i was like oh, i'll take the rebound and i sold and i sold shares quite early at about $3 something, I think. And um, and of course, it's gone right up and, and just reflected this recovery where I guess people are looking through the near-term impact. So the near-term impact, as I suspected, um, has been bad of co with COVID. Um, revenue was way down. They were previously operating at around break-even. And then they, of course, went into a $10 million loss. So tough times for them. Now, 
it has continued to rebound. I note that I think there were some, um, a director sold quite a few shares at around current prices. And when you combine that with just the fact that I've been so surprised how bullish the market has been, despite the uncertainty about um, travel and their ability to book all of those, you know, basically these guys make money by helping companies yep. um, organize their travel in an optimum way. And, and there's just less travel, there's less business. Uh, so I was really concerned about that. The markets just looked through it. I guess I've been shown to be a bit too um, hasty to get out, but, but there you go. And I actually was hoping that I'd be able to buy back this one cheaper once things start to turn around, but there just hasn't been that opportunity. I think it's a good business, one to watch. I will definitely continue watching this. But right now, with bad results and insider selling, I just I, I just couldn't buy it myself. Yep, ready? We spoke about trends earlier. Here's another trend. Uh, New Zealand companies coming to Australia and being of very high quality and yes. doing really, really well. Yep. This is uh, everything that Claudio said I can just man, uh, back up. Uh, this looked like pre, pre-COVID, this looked like one of those upcoming stars from New Zealand that was going to do really well. Um, I wouldn't chase it here. I, I think this is a typical example of, of the share market anticipating what is yet to come. But then you might you might think that might already be in the share price by yeah. now. Um, the irony, the way the share because the share market always tries to anticipate. The irony is that when these guys come out with good numbers, that the share price might actually fall because it, I mean, right. the share price has already done what it's done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you have to have like a really positive view now. And I think even when we do get positive vaccine news next year, I think the disappointment will still come in the form of how long it takes to roll it out and etc. etc. Et and we're not traveling. Yeah. yeah. And so. I would be more cautious than the share market is here. So, so watch for a pullback in this one, but a good company. Um, Rudy, Tom wants a view on Eagers Automotive there in the new and used car um, sales business, also parts and financing and leasing. Um, they basically gave themselves a new lease of life by acquiring their ma- major competitor, basically, Automotive Holdings. Yep. Um, before that, it was a little, a little bit languishing. Um, I mean, people, people were openly querying the, the the long-term future of of car dealerships basically yep. now these guys are working on alternatives they they want to they want to become a major force in the in the used car sector etc etc same thematic longer term as as babco in a sense if electrical vehicles come how much mm-hmm. are, gonna, are, are you going to pay for your bmw or your maserati or uh, or your golf yeah. um, that is that will remain the problem so at the moment everything looks hunky-dory these guys are integrating automotive holdings they're, they're, they're getting a lot of cost out of it it's all looking good people are buying more second-hand cars all looking good they uh, just sold that um, um, the, 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 the business the part of the business that automotive holding never could sell uh-huh. uh, uh, and so everything is fine at the moment but there is a transition that, that has to come and the challenge will come. Electrical mm. vehicles will come. It's at a five-year high. Yeah, exactly. I'd be, I'd be more wary uh, beyond 2021, to be honest. But right. um, for some reason, car sales sells off, Babcor sells off, and AP, AP Automotive Holdings doesn't. I'm not so sure whether I'm buying into that, that difference. Uh, so I'd be, I'd be cautious here. Okay. Ready? Lord. Oh, Claude, sorry. <laughs> I have to largely um, agree with Rudy, but I would actually um, say that I actually think Babcorp is a much better business. Uh, they've basically right. got really top-tier management and uh, more 
sort of sturdy like sort of situation where if you have the overall economy go down, Babcor remains very strong. The problem with car sales, maybe not so much secondhand car sales, which is what they're moving into, but with new car sales, when the economy goes down, when there's just less commerce, you do usually see a big a big drop off there. And that's the kind of pro-cyclicality that I usually seek to avoid. So if I'm looking if I'm looking at making an investment in um, a cyclical company, I want something that maybe doesn't uh, match up totally with the overall um, economy. Because if you own shares in that and the economy falls off a cliff and you, you know, you're more likely to want money to spot some great opportunity elsewhere, this one will have probably got hit really hard. So that's sure. why I don't invest in this kind of company, basically. So for me, I, I, just, I just could never um, invest in something so cyclical as this. And so for that reason, pretty much it's okay. a void for me. All right. I'll uh, back that up, by the way. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to Claude to say that Babcor is the better company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claude, would you invest in Southern Cross Media, the uh, uh, owner of um, radio, regional TV uh, platforms? Yeah, no, 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 I definitely would not, unfortunately. So this is like, uh, this isn't, this is not that cyclical. In my, in my view, this has just got a long term headline against, head, um, headwind against it. Basically, um, even though we've already seen so much disruption of traditional media, um, sort of, and these guys do sort of regional media, radio, and that kind of thing, um, back in the day, there was just an absolute pure monopoly, as you would know, um, David, you know, with just very few yep. uh, channels dominating everything. Nowadays, we can see it before our very eyes um, how the media uh, is opening up. There are new players and uh, doing new things, speaking directly to the audience. You can start building subscription models, as we all know, and owning the customer like that. And, and I just think these guys are going to have a really hard time competing in the new media landscape with the traditional advertising model. And that is a long-term headwind. Um, I think we established, you know, that that share that share price um, chart is a bit misleading because they did a share price consolidation. So these right. guys are actually on like a downturn, um, a, a long term downtrend, and essentially, um, I think that in the long term that will continue. There might be some sort of takeover possibility sometimes. So if you get it cheap enough, it goes up and you make money. So I'm not saying that it's totally um, overvalued and there's no chance of making money, but it's just definitely not what um, I invest in. Uh, Share really? price is, is also misleading yeah. for another reason. They did right. a consolidation, so it looks like they were, but it actually didn't. You, you, yeah. you should uh, adjust it. But if you take a 20-year view, you will find it goes from, from that top part to the bottom part on the right. other end. So yeah, it yeah. does go on a long sliding path. I mean, my initial response is, would be why? Why would you invest yeah. in it? Because it's, 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 if you want to be negative about it, it's literally waiting for the last guy to turn off the lights. Yeah. I think the, the ultimate what you are counting on here, because there's probably no, no, no doubt that it's cheaply priced, but cheap for a reason. The, only, the main scenario you're counting on here is that someone comes along, they change the media laws in Australia and someone will buy it buy at it. some yeah. stage, and then you yeah. will get a higher price than you will get today. Yeah. But given, it's not like there's no alternatives around to invest in the share market. Why would you take on the, this, this Exactly risk, right. right. And you're only investing in 20, 20 or 30 stocks in your portfolio. Yeah, exactly. yeah. There are a lot easier ways to make money. Um, uh, Doe wants a, um, a view on ALS, Rudy, is this an easier way to make money? Now, from what I could gather, ALS is like laboratories around the world yes. that, that test minerals, um, yes. basically they, for they, grades They, they do minerals, like but they also do a lot of uh, um, other, other sort of testing. Yep. So they have 
two types of businesses. They have, a, they have, a, they have a, what they call, I think, a life sciences business. Yeah. So they're testing on both both accords. So they do yeah. a lot of coal. And basically, junior miners come in and they go like, look at what we found in the ground. Right? Can you confirm whether this is the right, right stuff? And they, they basically yes. test on it and that's basically what they do. So um, I think that Shepa is probably fairly valued here uh, because of those two, two dimensions they have. And um, to get this business really going, all the mining companies have to start spending money, lots um, of it. And, and then they do have to do a lot of testing and stuff like that. So um, I wouldn't be a big fan of it here, but it yeah. is, again, it's, a good it's, company. it's one of those companies that um, people, might, people might remember it as Campbell Brothers, which was, yeah. it, which was its name about 10 years ago, I right. think. Um, they changed name, I, I forgot why. Um, I think they acquired the company and then, then changed yeah. name. But anyway, in large, in large, I think one of the reasons why the share price is where it is is that reopening trade again. Right. Uh, and you want to be a little, in the short term at the very least, you want to be a little bit careful where those share prices haven't run too hard. Sure. Uh, Claude, ILS? Um, Rudy's perfectly sort of outlined the drivers or what will see success or failure in this. So I do admit there's totally an opportunity for someone to take a view, oh, there's going to be a short-term tailwind and, and this should um, go well because of that. However, um, I kind of tend to avoid this sort of company because it has, a, it has I think, a billion dollars in debt and um, its revenue is not is in, in its own hands. It's relying on this variable uh, demand from somebody else in mining companies in particular uh, to decide how profitable it is. And yeah, it's okay for a company to have debt in that situation, but I see the threat of being in a weak situation if through no fault of your own demand drops off and you've yeah. got a lot of debt, you've got a service, uh, low interest rates, no one's too worried about that right now. But just out of habit, I tend to go for like net cash growth sort of stocks. So right. um, that it have a secular tailwind. And, and I don't necessarily see anything like that that would attract me to this fund. So yeah, it, okay. it's an avoid for me as well. Um, it's, not, it's not like we're overflowing with enthusiasm. No, no, <laughs> no, but that's good. You tell it like it is. That's fabulous. Um, our final stock comes from uh, Kevin uh, called AGL Energy, the big uh, retail and wholesale uh, gas energy producer. Yeah, this is, an, like, this is a retailer. This is an, well, I mean, I think, you know, this is a huge company that does a lot of things, right? So yeah. uh, back in the days when I was more interested in uh, studying this exact industry, uh, AGL was one of the gen tailors, so like retailer and generator of electricity. So they're very vertically inter integrated. And for that reason, um, they're an absolute stalwart of, you know, the Australian economy. They're not going to, um, you know, they're going to keep on doing business for a very long time. They have done business for a very long time. So it's typical of your old blue chip stock and it's been on the nose a bit lately. So um, if you took a, you know, I wouldn't want to discourage someone from this and be like, oh, it's a bad, it's a bad risky stock or I don't like it, it has bad features. It actually has a huge amount of market power by being such a huge player in such an important regulated market. So very hard to shift these guys out. Like they've got a strong market position there. Um, having And also the share price down. So uh, it's hard to say anything against it. Having said that, again, for me, I don't I don't see like what is the thing that's going to drive growth and make this amazing. Like this is a saturated market. Obviously, we all have enough electricity and gas and, and all our needs are catered for. I don't see these guys are all competing against each other. It's Origin Energy. It's the big guys. They're all competing. It's a tough slogging match. I don't see any opportunity yeah. for breakout growth, and as a result, I tend to avoid yeah. it. 
and Rudy at Cinemarca, when politicians say, we will bring down your Ex- power bill, exactly. they then go to AGL and exactly. say, you're not putting up your prices. Exactly. So yeah. they're actually price takers from regulators, aren't they? Which is they, always they, they, they had for a while, they really were, were doing well. Yeah. That's because they, they were accused of, of gougers and of gold platers basically yeah, yeah. in those days. The dynamics have really changed. Yeah. And I was about to say that. I mean, I still remember when, when they temporarily rallied to $28, ah, they're now 14 yeah. that's yeah. half. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I could see the, 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 the attraction of saying, oh, it's cheap, but I think at the moment the, the dynamics are just not there. They just had to put some of their plans on hold again because New South Wales government has announced some plans in that yeah. sector. And there's too much insecurity, there's too much uncertainty, there's the, 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 the future market is working against them. And you're, and, and, and you're quite correct in saying if, if politicians promise the people that the power bills will not go up, that directly reflects on, on yeah. those guys. Yeah. I mean, so the dynamics are just not there for me. Yeah. How would you like politicians interfering in your business? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the big warning. All right, let's check the, uh, the final five stocks. Serco, uh, a no from both uh, Rudy and Claude, but certainly uh, one to watch. Uh, going forward, Eagles Automotive, no. Southern Cross, no. ALS, no. And AGL, no. Both of them got very negative in those last five stocks, which is what you want to hear, because on the call, they tell it the way it should be, not just buy everything through a rose-coloured glass. So, Rudy Philippic van Dyke from FN Arena, always great to have you on. My pleasure. And your old sparring partner, Claude Walker, from A Rich Life. Mate, great to catch up. Thank you so much for having me on. I had fun. Now, that's it for the call for today. If you want to uh, flick us any suggestions that you may have and stocks that you want covered, uh, just email the call at osbiz.com.au or if you're using Twitter, use the at osbiztv um, handle. If you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want a big wrap up of the day in your inbox at 530 Every afternoon, Nadine and Scuddy do that for you through the COB newsletter. Uh, if you want to subscribe to that, osbiz.co slash join. And uh, coming up on the Startup Daily Show between 2 and 3 o'clock, Amanda Fay, who has built Pitch Portal, the Tinder of business ideas. Uh, she is on the Startup Daily Show between 2 and 3 with a whole bunch of other founders and um, venture capitalists talking about that startup scale up venture capital community. So, a lot ahead of us here on Ausbiz this afternoon. You don't want to miss a minute. We'll be back after the break.